Welcome in to Two for One Drafts. This is Austin Gale with my co-host here, Mike Renner. It happened. Alabama, LSU, a ton to dive into for that one. Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, Clyde the Glide, Edwards Hilaire. There are a ton of prospects to bring up in this one. Some good performances and some bad ones. In addition to that, we are going to raise a glass to the rest of college football. That's where we talk about some of our top prospect performers and we're also going to pour some out for some of the bad performers from the weekend then we also got our rolling rook segment talking about top rookie performances and our blackout segment we got a frequent flyer on the blackout segment as well i can't wait to bring that guy up and then finishing up with some smaller segments micro brew a smaller uh, small school prospect we'll touch on and fake id a guy for the 2021 nfl draft will be a fireworks show looking forward to bringing him up as well down on the ticker below you should see our latest mock draft courtesy of mike renner but let's dive into this Alabama LSU matchup. Let's first start with the quarterbacks. That's where everyone wants to go. First, your initial reaction, or I guess it's been a couple days. What's your reaction to Joe Burrow right now? I think it was a very good performance. I mean, it was as expected, though. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we came into this week thinking is that he would just light up Alabama like he's lit up every single other team. Just efficient. Now, a lot of people are going to forget about the pick you threw, Trayvon Diggs. That was pretty, you know, not good whatsoever. He just missed, just missed him in the zone there, uh, him falling off his receiver. So that was bad, but it got negated by a penalty on that play. So it doesn't go down the stats, goes down the grades. But I just think what he does from a, you know, the mentality perspective, the way he attacks, the way he just like the winning attitude that he has at the quarterback position combined with the accuracy, all that timing, all that. Uh, I think he's number one. I mean, I think he's number one and I don't really care what he does from here on out. He's going to be the number one player in this class. Wow. That is a definite statement. But when you do that to an Alabama defense loaded with NFL talent, like we saw in this game, it's a takeaway that you really have to do extrapolate and say, you know what? You know, there are a few quarterbacks at the college level that can do that to Alabama defenses with so much talent. I think Joe Burrow really took a step forward. But I'll say this. Tua Tagovailoa played a great game, too, on a bad ankle. I, I came away really impressed with what he did in this game. The ghost fumble will haunt him for as yeah. long as he lives. But outside of that, I really did like what he was doing. I think he showed off some of those NFL throws we were looking for, and I was really impressed with Tua. The other thing, five big-time throws was the most he's had in any game in his career. So oh, wow. he was making more downfield throws than we've ever seen from him. The throw to Devontae Smith was perfectly placed, that 85-yard touchdown. That was a banger. Had a few down the field that were just money throws. The fumble, obviously bad, but here's on throws 10 plus yards downfield. He went 10 to 16 for 331 against the top secondary in college football. I mean, I think he proved to everybody else. Now, again, there was a pick there in there uh, and the fumble in there, but I think he proved to, uh, you know, everyone that, hey, I'm still a elite prospect in my own right. I look like a future franchise quarterback in my own right. So coming away from this game, I'm not, you know, Burrow did separate himself. Burrow, I think, is still QB1, but two was right there, QB2, and number two on our board. If you need a quarterback, I think he's a good, a pretty good consolation prize. We are officially going bomb for Burrow over tank for Tua. It's been here. It's That's where we're at right now. But you got to be happy if you're an NFL franchise because exactly. now you don't necessarily have to lose every game. You don't have to be the Bengals. You, you can, you know, you can win a couple if you're the Dolphins and still get a good QB. Dude, the Bengals are going to take this guy number one overall. Former Mr. Ohio comes back home to Cincinnati above above average Joe to a what is now a winless Bengals team. Zach Taylor is probably chomping at the bit to move on from Andy Dalton even further, whether they release him or trade him. 
and go ahead and grab themselves. Joe Burrow, our producer in the ear said, and Joe Burrow's got red hair too. Mm. And you, you know, you love when you got to get when you have fire in the building, a like red that, hair fire. Is that, is that a red flag though? No, I don't think it's a red flag. Okay. I, I, I kind of fall in love with a little red hair there. I'm, I'm a big fan. Joe Burrow to Cincinnati. I think that's a lock almost. If <laughs> Bengals do end up with the number one overall, well, I mean, pick. I think like, they're tr- like they are out tanking the Dolphins by starting the quarterback who stinks. Like they're starting the rookie. Like they're they're like, hey. Uh, anything you can do, we can do. We can one up you here. Like if they started Dalton, they'd win a few games this year. Ryan Finley didn't get listed on the on the um, pre snap notes here of, for the blackouts, but he did not have a good game against yeah. that Baltimore. We don't want to pile on. It was don't not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it was never going to happen. We previewed that on the Thursday podcast. Let's move forward here to a running back we haven't really brought up a ton before this one. Clyde edwards lair mm-hmm. earned one of the highest single game grades of his season against an Alabama defense. Forced missed tackles really well. I thought he got involved in the passing game nicely. I like this guy. He looked very elusive. I really came away impressed. Yeah, eight broken tackles on 20 carries. Also caught all nine of his targets for 77 yards. That's I, I what think, I like. Yeah, I, I think he showed a complete skill set. He's a little small on the smaller side for the running back position. But again, if you're bringing eight tackles on 20 carries against Alabama, that's a tough defense to break tackles against. And that's that's a good day at the office. He definitely showed me something. And this one not really wasn't really on my radar heading into this game, but uh, he had himself a good day. Yeah, on the opposite side, Najee Harris had a very nice catch for the touchdown. That catch is going to raise his draft stock. You show something like that on tape, those sort of receiving ability, because that's one of those things where guys just can't make that catch. If you don't have receiving skills, you don't attack the ball that way that he did in the end zone. So I do think that that is a huge... Uh, now, he's obviously lacking the top end speed that some of the other running backs in this class have. He's not a home run threat by any means. But if you can, you can catch like that, you'll uh, you'll be on the NFL. You'll be on the NFL field on third down. Looking at Najee Harris right now, he has an 86 point drop, though. He did have a drop. 86.9 overall grade across 349 offensive snaps to start the year. That ranks 10th among all college running backs with at least 200 offensive snaps played. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, not really even up in that conversation uh, uh, in the top 10 in terms of grade. But in this one, I think doing it against that defense is what's going to really put you on NFL radars and really put you into that conversation with Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss, etc. I think he's a guy that I want to go back to watch more than the Alabama game. I want to see more of this kid after seeing him against Alabama really dominate. Let's go to the wide receiver here. Jerry Judy did not have a great game in this. A couple drops, and I was really concerned because I thought this was a huge opportunity for him to go against a Christian Fulton and see some Grant Delpit over the middle and really dominate, and I I think... I came away unimpressed. Wasn't super excited with this with this performance. Well, it was the two drops. He dropped two touchdowns, one on a deep ball, one kind of on a slant over the middle of the field. That's not great. And he's had more drops this year than any other season of his career, which is always concerning. But he's still not in the range of uh, you, you know Tyler Johnson of this class. He's not. It's still not bad. It's still not been a consistent problem for him. So it's one of those things where I don't think his drops will be an issue at the next level. Six on sixty three catchable this year. That's still under ten percent. So it's still f- within reason uh, at the NFL level. The missed tackle against Delpit was nasty. Mm-hmm. The blaze out that he had in that game was nasty. He still has that to him. So not going to knock him too hard, but it was not his best performance by any means. I think this is a good opportunity too to kind of look at the draft class and something maybe that an advanced stat that's not everywhere for draft pundits and draft fans is this drops. And I think bringing up some names that have, have dropped a ton of passes this year, Daryl Stewart of Michigan State, who's popped up on some Raiders here and there, leads college football with 12 drops on the year. You also see some drops um, by uh, the KJ Hamler of Penn State, 10 drops, the slot receiver yeah. for Penn State. He has had a bit of a drop issue, but Jerry Judy's not even in, in the double-digit conversation. 
six drops on the year. That's about uh, ranks the t- tie for 20th most in college football. That's where we're at right now. Kobe Smith, number 92 for San Diego State, has the same amount of drops for Jerry Judy, just for a little comparison. Let's move forward to Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle for Alabama. You've slotted high in the first round in recent mock drafts. What did you think of him? Yeah, it wasn't his best day at the office. And what was concerning, it wasn't losing necessarily one-on-one. It was him picking up blitzes. He got lost, I think, like three times in terms of either a stunt or a blitz where he went to one guy and then tried to recover back to another, missed him. That's just, those are assignment things. I, I think it's, I brought him up because I think from a scouting perspective, I, that doesn't really matter. A loss like that to me, you you sort of have faith that those things are going to smooth out as the season goes on. There's no one who's so bad at assignments that you're going to bench them if they can pass protect one on one very well the way he can. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Trevon Diggs, the Alabama. He did not have this a great was, day yeah. either. You know, going uh, so far this year, he ranks tied for fifth in coverage grade among qualifying quarterbacks at 87.5. But this is one of his worst games of the season. He did not have a good day against LSU. Yeah, so he gave up the one catch, which may be catch, not catch, catch there on the sideline. Oh, that's right. Uh, then who was the name of the Titans? Eluding Moss. Me? Or, Moss. Yes, yeah. there we go. Is it Moss's son? Yeah. Is Randy Moss's son? <laughs> I didn't know Randy Moss's son was a big tight end. I, I didn't know that. I did not either. Uh, and then he, so, but then he allowed 133 yards on the day. It only, on in nine of 13 targets, had only allowed 11 catches and 166 yards all season going in. So almost matched his entire total for the season. That's LSU, though. I mean, that's what Burrow has been doing all year long. We said Cameron Dance was really the only quarterback who didn't get owned by this LSU juggernaut. So uh, it's not going to be you know a death knell to his draft stock, but definitely some tape that you're going to go back and watch and be like, damn, uh, he's, he's a little limited. He's not going to be, he might not be your complete, complete corner just yet. It's official. Grand Delta has a tackling problem. It, it was bad before this game. It was bad three games before this game, but this game, it was even worse. It, it, Najee Harris forced a handful of missed tackles against him. You have Jerry Judy, which is kind of the highlight reel missed tackle for Grant Delpit. He's got the range, great coverage ability. I still think he sneaks into the first round, but this is a legitimate problem at this point. It, yeah. It's a huge concern because when he's coming up in run support, he's making mistakes on shallow passes. He's making mistakes specifically as a tackler. How much are you knocking this tackling ability down for his grade? So usually I'm like within reason. It's like drops like within reason. It's not going to sway me one way or the other. If you're really on one side, though, if you if it's really an outlier, which for Delpit, it's a, I think it's officially an outlier at this point. He has mm-hmm. 17 missed tackles on 16 attempts. He's missing almost a third of his tackles this year. That is an absurdly bad rate. Are you going to trust this guy to play middle of the field? 15-yard run breaks out. You're going to trust him to bring a runner back down the open field regularly? You're going to be turning 15-yard runs to house calls mm-hmm. regularly if that's the case at the next level. So I don't think uh, as good as his coverage ability is, and I've said it you know, before, the tackling wasn't at the point where it's going to move the needle too much for me. I think it's starting to move the needle for me. He's starting to get, He's going to have to start cleaning this up, or he's going to be dropping down the board precipitously because at some point you have to finish tackles. He just doesn't. Like, yeah. He just doesn't at this point. And with Delpit, too, going into this year, his missed tackles were a problem, right? I mean, 2018, yeah. he had a handful of them as well. Mm-hmm. And to like, oh, yeah. yeah. Those com- 16 missed tackles last year also. To compound on that, to continue. And even as it, in 2017, eight missed tackles on some, uh, uh, um, in 20, uh, 2017, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's kind of incredible. I mean, that's just a ton of missed tackles for a safety, like you said, that when a big play breaks off or even when he's coming up in support on some of these shallow, shallow passes, screens, or whatever. 
missing a third of your tackles is a lot. Um, moving forward here, I, I kind of dove into Diggs a little bit. That net 54.2 coverage grade he had against LSU, worst of the season, I think worst of his career. Mm-hmm. Not not a great performance for him. He needs to bounce back. But like you said, tape to go back to. That's going to do it for what we wanted to talk about for those you know prospects in the Alabama yeah. LSU Full game. breakdown there. Full breakdown. Let's go to our raise a glass segment. That's where we're raising a glass to some of the top prospect performances that weren't in this game. Minnesota cornerback, uh, quarterback, quarterback, Tanner Morgan had himself a day, made our PFF National College Team of the Week with his uh, overall grade in this one. He had a very good day against a good Penn State team as well. Yeah, went 18 of 22 in this one. Three touchdowns, a couple big-time throws. And the interesting thing about Tanner Morgan, he doesn't have a cannon for an arm, but has super quick release. Since week four on, he is the highest-graded quarterback in college football. Oh, wow. This guy. Redshirt sophomore. I, I'm not sure he's going to come out. Uh, pretty deep quarterback class. But, dude, the highest grade quarterback in college football from week four on. Uh, doesn't have a ton of big time throws, but he is consistent and accurate with the football. Very interesting prospect to keep an eye on for future years, I'd probably say. Maybe not a fake ID, but I, I, I think he's going to get to that point. Maybe he doesn't declare this year, but like mm-hmm. you said, in future yeah, yeah. years. And he's going to have Rashad Bateman with him as well. Right. He's grading out very well for Minnesota in Rode addition to Tyler Johnson. Yeah, that is. Um, Exciting. Row the boat. <laughs> Row the boat. PJ Fleck. All right. Moving forward here. Iowa edge defender had one of the best games of his, se- of his season oh, against Cole Van Lannan of Wisconsin. Smoked Van Lannan. There was one play I highlighted in the, um, on Twitter where he beats him on the outside, but there's also one where he jacks him up, too. Oh, it's, he had a couple had a very, very nice reps. The strip sack is kind of what made, you know, drew the, drew the replays, but there's another one there. That bull rush where he jacks him up is very, very good. Yeah, he basically just said, hey, I'm still a freak of nature. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm still 6'6", 280. And can bend the edge like you know I'm six two two forty like he is, he's dirty. He's just a very good edge defender, very solid. Uh, I think he's a complete run, you know, complete player, run defense, pass rush. Uh, he's gonna be good at the next level. I, I think he's he's still probably gonna be in the top ten mix come next April. Definitely reminded us he's an ox, an absolute ox, mm-hmm. hard to block. And in, in those bull rush situations, you have him in the top ten going to the Oakland Raiders in your latest mock draft. I really do like that that pickup, especially with them they get, needing they get a pass guy who can actually rush the pass. They need a guy that can actually rush the passer with significant success. That's Epinesa for you. Washington tackle Trey Adams also makes our raise a glass segment after kind of being, you know, not having great start to the yeah. year. And, but yeah, he turns in one of the better overall grades of, among offensive tackles in week 11. Yeah. Had the highest grade of game of his career here against Oregon state this past week. Didn't allow a single pressure. And it's kind of interesting with Trey Adams because he's had so much on tape at this point, you know, mm-hmm. five years of college, uh, all the injuries and whatnot. I'm not sure he can do much more for his draft stock. Like we've seen him go against chase young, you know, and we saw him go against Bradley and a, uh, the two toughest tests he had the past two years, and he just he lost handily in both those. So I, I, I don't think until unless he goes to the Senior Bowl, he can do anything more for his draft stock except for stay healthy. Mm-hmm. He just has to not be injured at this point. He could dominate, uh, you know, his next few games. He just has to stay healthy on the football field. Will be his biggest thing going forward. And I just think with his injury history, he's a long shot for the first round. You'd be terrified if you're a GM to pick a guy with a neck injury, ACL injury. Two two of his last three years ended. Uh, or you know, injury shortened as much as they were, uh, you, you would just have to be very confident in your medical staff to give him a first-round grade still. Another guy, two, two, I want to bring up two other Minnesota guys that kind of wowed me a little bit. Tyler Johnson had that one-handed snag that was fantastic. That was Antoine good. Winfield Jr., a guy we yes. haven't brought up a ton, but he showed off great range on the interceptions he did have. I, I did like those ball skills attacking the ball in the air. Antoine Winfield Jr., what's your take on him? We haven't talked he's about got, him a lot. Uh, the ball skills you mentioned, he's got very good... Uh, f- 
instincts at the center field position, uh, you know, roaming the middle of the field. A lot of the safety position is not necessarily about speed. It's about reading. You know, you have to be able to call that VHS vision, head start reading what's in front of you. Uh, And, you know, only only, you know, something like 400 snaps over the last two years because of injury there in that Minnesota defense. I I think uh, he could be he could be making his way up as a pretty weak safety class at this Mm -hmm. point. There's only really a couple guys. We just dragged Grant Delpit. Yeah. So safety class getting weaker. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So a very good game for him against Penn State. There we go. Let's go to the poor one out segment. I just want to do one more nice thing before we start talking about the guys that did not play well. TCU wide receiver Jalen Rieger. He's been a guy that we've been just waiting. I've been pounding the table at home, hoping that he breaks out, hoping he has more explosive plays. Not a great, uh, not a great game in this one against uh, against Baylor. I was really hoping for more from him. He had a couple drops in this one. Not not super impressed with Rieger. Yeah, Jalen Rieger is probably playing his way back to TCU. Yeah. Like Cole about, Van Lannan. It's about the time of the season where you can start to be like, hey, this isn't his year he's got another year of eligibility left let's try to salvage it uh he had two drops in this game against baylor caught one of seven targets now not all of that's on him again a pretty bad quarterback situation probably got missed uh probably three times in that game where he could have caught balls so yes that's bad but uh, 666 yards he's on pace for this year. That's not good, dude. You're not you, you, I saw this guy as a receiver, breakout candidate. Damn it. Drafting a receiver in the first round with 666 yards is just a tough ask. You, and you and just, honestly, I watched all of his targets too right before we jumped on the podcast. I wasn't super And that's impre- if they make a bowl. They're four and five. <laughs> they might, they're probably not make a bowl. I, I watched all of his targets for jumping on the podcast and i still not super impressed what they're asking him to do. Like, I, I didn't ask him to do a very diverse route tree. They're not asking him to do much more than run in a straight line, maybe some skinny posts and stuff. Yeah. But like, I wish there was more of a like legit game plan to get him involved, like design plays uh-huh. game involved. And I've been really unimpressed with the T- TCU quarterback one. Calling out Gary Patterson? I'm not calling out Gary Patterson, but I'm just a, I'm Patterson. a little frustrated. Okay, they get Darius Anderson involved enough. The running back of TCU. Can we get a little bit more? And also, please? you're four and five, so yeah, maybe maybe, maybe you do it. need a little change of yeah. pace. Um, the guy that we haven't you know touched on is a poor one out this year, but Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts box score looked good, and you mentioned this in your article, but it always looks good in the Big Twelve. <laughs> yeah. But he missed some throws in this one. So the big thing with Jalen Hurts that we've kind of said is there's a path to success for him, but he has to follow the Tyrod Taylor recipe for success, which is don't make turnovers, don't mm-hmm. give the ball to the other team. You can go run heavy, you can go over the top of teams. If you just protect the football and don't create turnovers, he threw two balls that should have been pick sixes. Both mm-hmm. of them were dropped in this one against the Iowa State, but both of those should have been pick sixes. One, he just missed a linebacker buzzing out to the flat. One, he was just late on an underneath throw. Uh, you can't have those if you're going to be the type of quarterback Jalen Hurts has to be at the next level. So I, I do think that that was, uh, despite the stat line, I think he still had a pass rating of like 120 something uh, he ended with, but despite the stat line, Two balls should have been pick sixes and another pretty ugly pick in that one. I think it's a good opportunity to talk about Jalen Hurts, you know, his prospect overall. I think we haven't touched on him as a, a legit NFL prospect a ton on the podcast. You know, this game aside, look at the whole picture here. What are you seeing in Jalen Hurts? Is there a role from him in the NFL? Is he a day two pick, day three pick? Where are you seeing him? Yeah, that's kind of like what I said there. You, If you put him in an offense where you use his rushing ability, uh, you use him as basically another running back in the backfield and it is run heavy. It is play action heavy. And then he hits you over the top or hits you on in the intermediate range off of play action right behind the linebackers. That sort of thing. He can be successful because he's proven over the course of his career is one. He's elusive one. He can make plays all on his own. And two, 
that he has protected the ball very well. It's something like only four turnover where he plays heading into this game on the season there at Oklahoma and over the course of his career, even at Alabama protected the ball really well. Uh, but he's not a quick processor. He doesn't throw uh, with timing. Uh, if you don't throw a time, if you're not a quick processor, if you're late, that's going to be an issue at the NFL. You're just not going to run a lot of different offenses. But I think there's a path to success for guys like that, for quarterbacks like that. You have to go run heavy because using the quarterback in the run game is the only time we'll say that the run game actually does matter. You can have a good offense when you have that. I mean, look at the Baltimore Ravens. Exactly. Uh, so you have to do that. But if you're going to if you're going to get turnovers in an offense like that, if you're going to make the mistakes he makes late with the football or made this past week late with football, then you're kind of a non-starter. That's not going yeah. to, that offense is not going to be good at that point. Though. I don't know if there are a ton of other coaching staffs, a ton of other teams that be willing to completely change their offense for a quarterback like the Baltimore Ravens did for Lamar Jackson. Hear me out on this draft Jalen Hurts to back up Lamar Jackson. Yes, they have RG three. But I kind of like that a lot. I think that's their plan, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, they drafted Trace McSorley mm-hmm. this past year, and I think that is a almost a a good a plan that we'll see adopted elsewhere uh, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Is if you have a rushing threat, a, a dynamic rush threat like that, quarterback position, you're going to go super run heavy. You can get a guy like that in college football. There's a, a couple that come out every year that aren't highly coveted because no one else is going to run that offense. No one exactly. else is going to change their whole offense around it. But Jalen Hurts could do an imitation of Lamar Jackson in that offense. So I do think that uh, that will be actually, you know, the Ravens plan going forward is stockpile guys like that. That would be very interesting. I kind of, part of me hopes that another team just completely dials in. It's like, we're going to bring in Jalen Hurts and build around him, make this like a pistol heavy, run heavy offense like the Baltimore Ravens did. Mm -hmm. But there's also part of me like, dude, bring Jalen Hurts with Lamar Jackson and let's see him back him up. And we already saw RG3, the Heisman lineup where they have Mark Ingram, RG3 and Lamar Jackson on the field at the same time. Give me Jalen Hurts in that too. I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And for Jalen Hurts and draft pundits i feel like i like to call this out he's earned an 89.7 passing grade so far this year but his two worst games if you're going to watch some games texas a 40.5 passing grade and this past week against iowa state 35.8 pff passing grade i think those are two games to watch when you're looking for concerns with jalen hurts and really how to evaluate him now let's move to nc state edge defender james smith williams you might have saw him on the commercial that goes from built body all the way up to the end it's not a commercial but there's this picture before and after yeah before and after where he when he first gets to nc state kind of looks like a tall lanky scrawny guy and now he's a much bigger dude they've really added uh, bulk to his frame but the production has not been there for this kid yeah he was a guy who i thought could have a breakout year because he went from 195 to 265 still looked like he was adjusting you know to that ridiculous weight gain but was kind of productive last year had 40 pressures 69.6 pass rushing grade on a ton of pass rushing snaps 340 snaps so it was a fine grade uh, and i thought maybe we'd see a leap in play from this year he only has 10 pressures now through six games yes he's been hurt but he has multiple games without a single pressure uh he, he just has not been that guy he has reps on tape where you're like damn he is super powerful super long but the consistency and not even close to this point I, I, he's He's a guy, like I said, I thought he'd be a breakout candidate. Now he's uh, he's a late rounder at best. To be fair, it can't be easy to one know, add, one add that much weight and adjust your body right. that much mm-hmm. and then have any level of consistency. I don't even know if that guy walks with <laughs> consistency because of how much his body has changed in recent years. Is this a guy that you don't bring in? Obviously, you don't bring in a day one or maybe even a day two pick, but you want to build on as a project because he has that, you know, that transformative body that and that power you speak to. No, someone is still going to still going to get drafted when mm-hmm. you look like he does it's 6'3", 265, and he probably is going to have like something like 35-inch arms. He's super long. He will get drafted 
it's just you have to be realistic about your expectations when the guy hasn't shown anything. And you have to be, and I think this isn't get brought up enough. I might have a little take here for you, Renner. Mm-hmm. But when you draft these projects, I think not enough gets said about what you need to do behind the scenes to invest in them from a uh, positional coaching perspective, diet, all that stuff. Like you legitimately have to invest resources, off the field resources, in improving their frame, further improving what they can do at, uh, on the field, obviously, improving all that stuff. And like you can't just draft a project and think snaps is what's going to get them. The experience will eventually with experience will get there. No, you're going to have to invest in this guy off the field to improve his tools and improve his ability to impact on the football field. Yeah, I mean, every every rookie, though, has a long way to go, as we've seen, you know, in our True. rolling rooks. I mean, like, no one, so few guys come to the NFL ready. They have to, and and that also, it's not just what you have to do as a team. It's it's the mindset of uh, the player. The player has to do be willing to improve and put in the work to improve. And so that's why, you know, teams invest so much in, who, what kind of guy is he? Is he a winner? Is he, you know, does he want, does he have that intangible? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think while some of that gets overblown, cause there's a lot of things that can motivate guys to want to work hard. You don't just have to have the love for the game. There can be other things outside of that. You can just love money and want to work hard. That can be your motivator. <laughs> but I, I do think that, uh, like I said, even if you're a super productive college football player, you have a long way to go to be a productive NFL player. So yes, when a guy has the tools like that, you take a chance late on. Gotcha. Let's go rolling rooks here where we highlight some of the top rookie performances. I'm really impressed with this one. Tampa Bay third rounder out of Auburn, Jamel Dean, who had that really weird body type where he looked like a linebacker, but ran with great speed at the combine. He does not have a good day against DK Metcalf, even though he did have three pass breakups where yeah. there, there was some good in that game. He earned a 35.8 coverage grade playing a majority of his reps against DK Metcalf in Seattle in week nine. This past week, 95.6 coverage yeah. grade only allowed one reception from five targets for negative two yards against Arizona. Some other guys in that Buccaneers defense got toasted. Christian Kirk was giving Ryan Smith the business, but Jamel Dean, very good day for him. I was going to say he was so good that they cut Vernon Hargraves. Like, that's <laughs> how good he was. Uh, it, it really was. He had uh, five targets, only allowed one catch for negative two yards. So, I mean, the one catch was a swing screen that he just blew up immediately. I think it was Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, two pass breakups on the day uh, and an interception. I mean, he was in guys hip pockets uh on an out route on a deep ball and on a crosser like th- three different sort of uh three different sort of routes that he broke up passes on and had a pick on that were just i mean he showed a full skill set it was a pretty damn good day like you didn't expect it mm-hmm. after what we saw last yeah. week to, to be like that uh right out the gate here. and this is only his second game with like legitimate snaps exactly like, yeah. he did not play a ton in, to start the year actually at all he didn't take his first defensive snap until week six and still he only played two in that game week nine 57 defensive snaps week 10 against arizona 33 has himself a day with the numbers that jump out to me too i know he had the 35.8 coverage grade against dk metcalf and the seahawks but he had three pass breakups this past week two pass breakups and an interception this guy's getting his hands on the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have a rookie cornerback that's already finding the ball at this rate, there are rookie cornerbacks now that have started since week one that don't have those like ball, you know, um, playmaker index or what we've called, like, you know, you're getting your hands on the ball, uh, those kind of numbers. Jamel Dean kind of standing out. I'm excited to see him in future matchups. And you know, he's getting more reps because yeah. Vernon Hargrave is literally looking for a job right now. Going forward here, let's bring up another cornerback that had a good day. Miami Dolphins. You don't bring up a lot of rolling rooks on the Miami Dolphins, but we're going to bring up Nick Needham. Had a very good day in this one. Yeah, he's been all right, actually, for them. The UDFA out of UTEP graded well for us. I think he 
actually made our top 250 with something like 196 on the big board. So, hey, we're going to say chalk it up as W that he's actually <laughs> making plays in the NFL. Had a pick uh, and a pass breakup, three of eight targets for 34 yards. And it's actually over the course of the year, like I said, only allowed 13 of 24 targets for 135 yards. Those are those are pretty damn good numbers for mm-hmm. a rookie UDFA cornerback. Uh, I questioned, uh, I had some question marks about him coming out in the competition level, but obviously, uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't a the dude, you know, top guy. The dude has really uh, impressed in there limited time for the Dolphins. They might have something there. It's cornerback season here at Rolling Rooks. We're going to also bring up Kendall Sheffield, Ohio State alum for the Atlanta Falcons. A fourth round pick went number 111 overall. He's, he been, had a bla- his- he's been a blackout before for us. Yes. So. I mean, he's earned bad coverage grades in previous weeks, but this one an 89.9 coverage grade against the New Orleans Saints. Let me mind you, uh, only allowed five receptions from seven targets for 28 yards and recorded a PBU. Easily his best game as a rookie yeah two forced incompletions on the day and added two more coverage stops uh, he has speed uh and, and even in that game against tyler lockett that we highlighted as a blackout candidate like we said he was with him at times in that game and has that recovery speed to sit in guys hip pockets it's just at the catch point had never been good was not good at ohio state and this one though Two plays at the catch point where he makes, you know, gets in the receivers uh, right there and breaks it up. So I think it's a, encouraging. Whenever you see, like you said, we've said it before, you just got to see it a few times as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've seen it a few times. One of those uh, incompletions is against Michael Thomas. So there you go. There you go. Let's go to the Oakland Raiders. They have two pass rushers that are playing well for them, or I guess had good games. <laughs> I was going to say, come on. Had good games against the Los Angeles Chargers. But let's let's start this conversation. The Los Angeles Chargers, when you have to go to Sam Tevy's backup and Russell Okun's backup, things aren't going to go well. That's that's just kind of how it is. Trey Pipkins and Trent Scott are two of the worst offensive tackles in football. They should not be seeing snaps. Max Crosby took advantage here in a 79.8 PFF pass rush grade along with seven total pressures. And Cleveland Farrell added three pressures himself, stuff that he hasn't seen a ton this year. He didn't earn a high pass rush I was gonna grade, say, though. He, so he gets three sacks and people are like, oh shit, Farrell's he's mm-hmm. back. Uh, those were his only three pressures on the day. Yeah. It was still only a 68.5 pass rushing grade for him. So encouraging. Uh, you you want a guy you, three sacks very good, mm-hmm. but it came against the worst offense tackles in the league, mm-hmm. and those were his only pressures of the day. Yeah. So mm, I pumped. Crosby the still had pumped the, the better day, and he only yeah. had one sack. Crosby still had the better day, in my opinion, beating mm-hmm. blocks a lot quicker. He had a very nice outside win. Crosby, I would say, and I tweeted this out, and people were just throwing shit at me, pretty much. Crosby, I think, is the better pass rusher Uh-oh. for the Oakland Raiders than Cleveland Farrell, you at least right it. now. At yeah. least right now, <laughs> you can, you can't say that because the the, the Raiders fans are going to defend. Cleveland Farrell to the death. I, just, I really agree. But what's crazy about Raiders fans, I was thinking in the first year, they're, they're defending him until the wheels fall off. Second year comes around and they're still bad. It's like, dude, kill turn. him. Kill him. Put his head on the block. I can't stand this guy. But we'll see how it goes. I think that's really promising. Another promising thing, too, P.J. Hall, the former the, second rounder, had, a, had mm. a good day in this one. Not a rookie. And I'm sorry for bringing that up yeah, on Jesus, two for one. But, but I will say day. the interesting thing about the Crosby-Farrell like, conversation, the comparison, Crosby won has been outgrading him right now as pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Two, Crosby was a much better athlete. Yeah, <laughs> like Crosby uh, came out and tested much better. Three comb, 40 time, although I don't think Farrell ended up running a 40, but it wasn't going to be good. Farrell's a much better athlete and was, or excuse me, Crosby is a much better athlete and younger. It's like your fourth round pick. If you believe in upside, looks like he has more upside than your oh, top yeah. five pick at this point. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, we saw that too from his tape at Eastern Michigan. He beat down my alum, the San Diego State, a couple times. He looked yeah. very good for Eastern Michigan. I think I'm not surprised to see that he does look more athletic and that he is having more success as a pass rusher. Moving forward here, rolling rooks, Darius Slayton. When you put his name on the list, I went ahead and watched all of his targets this year. 
the dude looks good, like very good at the line of scrimmage, very fast, big as well. And I think cornerbacks are struggling to get hands mm-hmm. on him. He is product. He's also producing well from a box score perspective. I think the Giants might have somebody here. Yeah, the, my biggest worry for him was uh, that he just I didn't love his ball skills, ball tracking ability down the football field. Uh, all the speed in the world. I think he ran like a four three seven coming out. Uh, but I just didn't love like it. In a 50-50 ball down the field, I didn't think he's going to come up with I didn't think that speed was going to lead to a lot of deep yardage in the NFL. But this one, career day, uh, you know, 10 of 14 targets, caught 121 yards, two touchdowns in this one. So uh, if it keeps going, man, I'll, I'll be on board. I'll change my mind. But I just I hadn't seen it. He hadn't, he hadn't done much heading into this week and had struggled with a few drops uh, in, his, in his career already. Three drops on uh, 20 catchable heading into this week. So... Uh, had tip to him, although it did come against uh, Jets secondary that leaves a little bit of desired. Oh, yeah. So I mean, we'll he toasted Nate Harrison on the outside. I, I'm going to pull that clip for Twitter later. Um, he absolutely roasted him on the uh-huh. outside move, came in over the top, then took that one to the house. Uh, Darius Slayton looking good against bad competition, but also there's a rep against um, Xavier Rhodes early in the year when the Giants played Minnesota. Comes in like kind of a little bit of a sluggo move and goes uh, double move over the top. And he looks good, man. I, I really do like the speed and stuff. I think it's um, exciting. Speaking of speed, Andy Isabella is finally getting snaps for the mm-hmm. Arizona Cardinals. And guess what? Things are going well when they throw him the football three targets this past week all three receptions for 78 yards he looks very fast when he catches the ball fast out of his breaks he had a nice little catch in the turkey hole that kyler murray Murray fit in there i really do think get him more involved you know four targets four receptions for over 150 yards in the past two weeks i mean come on let's throw him the football yeah 26 snaps in this one that was a career high the most he's seen all year and like i said he had a little slant that he then made a safety miss took Mm -hmm. it you know for uh, 55 yards in that one so again three catches 78 yards uh dude just needs just needs some more reps just give him some targets please all right let's go to our last rolling rook here devin singletary who i think has been playing really well for the bills of late turns into another good game yeah i mean he's just he's elusive mm-hmm. uh, he is that's what he was uh coming out at fau that's what he's been in the nfl he's just tough to bring down he's not a fantastic athlete by any means but at 5-7-203 dude's built low to the earth and again in this one uh, eight attempts for 42 yards uh, and broke three tackles and averaged 3.9 after contact in this one. So I think he's in line for some more touches. Get Frank Gore out of there. Oh, and come on. Devin Singl- I'm just saying, I know that he wants to break. Uh, he's going to play forever until he breaks the rushing record. Like, he's just not going to come off football field. But come on, let, your, let the young guy spin. Yeah, Devin Singletary over the past two weeks has seven broken tackles on the ground. He also has five broken tackles when catching the football out of the backfield. I think Devin Singletary is definitely the better option to be giving him the football over Frank Gore. But Frank Gore is an ageless wonder, Mike. This is a guy that's going to be around when our kids are born. It's it, We need to keep this guy around. You are having kids, aren't you? Oh, no, no, that's never mind. No kids. No kids coming for Mike Renner. Let's go, to the, let's go to the blackout segment here. This is where we talk about some bad rookie performances. Let's start with Stanley Morgan Jr. Yeah, Stanley Morgan jr uh thrust into thrust into a little playing time here for the Bengals, and it's not been great uh one of four targets here this past week added a drop and he played like all game for the Bengals in this one and just yeah i mean he was a udfa you can't really rely on a rookie udfa to come in and just hit the ground running as a receiver what what what's going right for the Bengals? do you have anything good news for the Bengals? um they're going to get Joe Burrow. That's good. That is good go. news. Mr. Ohio's coming to Cincinnati, coming to the Queen City. That's all we got for you, though. Okay, so I love that you put this blackout guy on here. The uh, Wisconsin offensive tackle or former Wisconsin offensive tackle got thrown into action for the Los Angeles Rams against Pittsburgh Steelers. David Edwards played a little bit of right tackle for Rob Havenstein because he went down. Is that correct? Yes. So 
TJ Watt sauces him a couple times, beat him down, beat him to a pulp, former teammate TJ Watt. And then after the game, after beating him down, they took a picture together. I saw it in the USA and images bin and they're just smiling. I was like, dude, David Edwards, you just got embarrassed. How could you be exchanging jerseys with your murderer right now? Uh, he did not have a good game. We got thrown in action against a very good yeah. edge so, rusher, but um, he's been, yeah, they've been throwing him all over it. the mm-hmm. Rams line because they've had injuries, played left guard in week seven and eight. Then right guard week 10 and also right tackle, like you mentioned this past week because of uh, injuries there. And yeah, man, he just that's tough ask already, but 35.8 pass blocking grade in this one four pressures allowed. It was just I considered getting the image and putting it up on the background here just to kind of like the smiling faces like, yeah, "Yeah, that was not a good game for me. Rookie offensive lineman just like don't (laughs) ask them to play. Mm -mm. They don't play well. Yeah. Don't rely on them. Just sign sign offensive lineman. You'll be much better off. So uh, this blackout, this guy has been blacking out every weekend. We don't every have, single we don't have weekend. To we don't have to deep into. We don't it, have but. to bring it up. New York Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker, the rookie out of Georgia, who struggled with speed at Georgia, leaned on the rule of contact. You know, being able to contact uh, wide receivers deep down the field is continuing to struggle. Robbie Anderson beat him a couple times, called for some penalties. He has been a consistent blackout, blacking out every weekend. Yeah, I mean, he had one nice pass breakup last week that I can give him credit for, but this week, not much you can give him credit for. 51 yards through the air, two more penalties. He has not been good for the season now. 30, 30.0 coverage grade. And when, when he starts getting beat over the top, he grabs onto the receiver and gets called for a penalty. And when he doesn't grab onto the receiver, he's either blow, you know blowing coverage like he did against Amari Cooper mm-hmm. and what should have been two-man, or he's just getting dusted, like absolutely dusted. I feel bad for the guy at this point. And blacking out that many weekends in a row, correct me if I'm wrong, is not that fun. <laughs> No, it gets to be expensive at that point. Too. He's probably paying a lot. His bar tabs are probably obscene. Mm-hmm. It's just not good. And then you start buying other people drinks. And, and next thing you know, you wake up a $200 tab. You don't even know if you drank any. Man, that's just unfortunate. I've done that to you a couple times. Jermaine Pratt, Cincinnati Bengals off-ball linebacker. Uh, we try and get try to get some good things going for the Bengals. I was going to say, I think the linebacker position for the Bengals is a cursed position at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, there's a bunch of cursed positions around the offensive line for the Chargers. Um uh, what are some other ones? I'm trying to think. Uh, well, you had cornerback for Tampa Bay. I mean, cornerback for Tampa Bay. Yes, Vernon that's definitely a kicker for Tampa Bay mm-hmm. as well. Um, there's a handful around the NFL, and I think linebacker for the Bengals is officially one you can toss into the curse positions because they keep drafting guys and they keep being bad. Uh, Jermaine Pratt now has a 32.1 coverage grade for the season. 32. It's incredible. One. 11, 11 targets, eight receptions allowed for 147 yards, dude. That's a lot. That's a Curse lot. You're position. just getting picked on at that point. He was so bad they cut Preston Brown. Oh, wait, that doesn't really But <laughs> Preston Brown did get released today. Maybe they do feel confident Jermaine Pratt can right the ship. Um, that's going to do it for the blackout segment. It was kind of kind of mean. I felt a little dirty for that one, mm. but some good knowledge there. Let's go to the micro-brew segment. We're bringing up a Temple guy. Yes. Temple Edge defender Quincy Roche. And first thing you got to know about a Temple guy, what's the jersey? Single digits? Yes, sir. That's Temple Tough. Quincy Roche, this past week against south florida oh my gosh yeah. okay let, let, let's just preview with had this. some of those this year south florida's offensive line legitimately looked terrible like he was yeah. just he beat, he beat the left tackle though. right tackle blitz inside beat the center i mean they, no one had any answers for him in this one four sacks and he missed two tackles i know yes he missed the two sacks yeah <laughs> he missed two more uh he has he's interesting though because he's like He's long and lean, like 6'5", probably like 235, maybe 240. So you think maybe he, like the frame where he could get to like 250 and still play in the NFL. So he's, he's not like one of these capped out, like a Sutton Smith where he's 240. And like if he put another ounce of like 
weight on his body, he would uh, his bones would just like shatter because he doesn't have like he's capped out. But no, he has the ability to grow. A redshirt junior, so he does have another eligibility left. He probably will come back, but dude already has fifty pressures on the season. Wow! So he's been it's been very very good uh, as a nice little inside move. It's pretty quick and has some bend around the edge. Uh, I like what I've seen from him. Hopefully, I, w- I want to see him listed at 250 next year. Mm-hmm. If you list him at 250 next year, we can start talking about a 92.0 pass rushing grade in the season, third highest in the NCAA. He looked very good in this one. I like the idea of adding to his frame. I also like the idea of him coming back because then you get him maybe getting invited to the Senior Bowl, see him in some one-on-ones against non-group of five competition and in that Temple Tough number nine. I- I'm excited for Quincy Rush. Last segment of the podcast, we're going fake ID, mm-hmm. a guy that we have not brought up enough. I right. mean, people, people have said tank for Trevor all that stuff but trevor lawrence the clemson quarterback turned in an absolute stunning performance this past week it's time to bring up what will likely be the number one overall pick of the 2021 yeah we haven't touched on him at all we've done a lot of fake ids and he hasn't had that game where Mm -hmm. it was just you know lights out where he just dominated i wasn't letting him into the bar in previous i was (laughs) like dude you're gonna have to come back come on like you if you throw two picks against georgia tech you're not getting into this bar. exactly but NC State, 20 of 27, three TDs, a few big time throws in this one. And quietly, since that sort of that rough start, uh, he has been the second highest graded quarterback. Tanner Morgan since week four. Trevor Lawrence is the second highest graded quarterback since week four. 11 turnover plays on the air. That's over double what he had last year. That's been an issue for him. The team big time throws. He's still there. He still makes those special plays down the football field. Uh, he still has a cannon for an arm and. I think Clemson's still like everyone's talking LSU, Alabama, Ohio State. Clemson's still that sleeping giant because Trevor Lawrence against a real defense. I don't think it matters. I think he can put up numbers on anyone. I think he's still the dude that I'd be worried about in the college. Football I think playoff. you brought it up. Uh, what was it last year when they played Notre Dame? And it was like Notre Dame. It's like Clemson's offense was very good. And then they threw an NFL quarterback under center. And that's what Trevor Lawrence was. Yeah. I like the idea of them being a sleeping giant. It's it's hard to even consider them sleeping when you do have a talent like uh, like Trevor Lawrence. Because mm-hmm. when you have a guy, quarterback position matters most. When you have a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be hands down a, a, you know, an NFL player, an NFL quarterback, probably the number one overall pick. I mean, th- these guys are uh, always a threat to kind of go deep in the play. And like what Burrow did to L- to Alabama this past week, Lawrence in the national championship game. As a freshman. So <laughs> fair yeah. as a freshman. Yeah, I also like the backstory too on Trevor Lawrence that like he's like never lost. Like I mean, like he's like barely ever lost in his like going back to like freshman years of high, a high school football player. Like it just doesn't lose football games. And yeah. Nick Bosa, I think I saw a tweet or something. He lost like his ninth game since a freshman his freshman year of high school or something Damn. stupid. That's absurd. Like just not facing loss at that point. But he doesn't deserve it. I mean, the guy is just an absolute stud. That's gonna do it for two for one drafts. Remember, this is Austin Gale and Mike. Renner, and you can tune in on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. We're also live on YouTube every Tuesday and Thursday. Again, this is Austin Gale and Mike Renner, two for one drafts.